All right, how many are ready for wisdom and revelation? Make some noise. Come on, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm so glad that you are here with me today, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. We are going to get into the wisdom and the revelation of God. And so I want to make sure that Rachel will be ready today because we may set this atmosphere up with the keyboard and worship. Everybody go, ooh. This is going to be awesome. We are not just going to teach it. We are going to experience it today because this message is not only taught, it is caught. Somebody say, bring it. Amen. Let's look to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're new, we are doing a, a series through the book of Ephesians. It's been so exciting. So I want you to start reading the book of Ephesians if you haven't already, okay? How many have been reading the book of Ephesians? Okay, just keep reading it. Keep reading it. Every week, read the book of Ephesians. It only takes 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes to read or to do by audio. So please join with us on this journey. We're in chapter 1 of verse 15. Look at this passage with me as we get into it today. For this reason, Paul is writing here. He wrote the book of Ephesians to the people in the city of Ephesus. He said, for this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. How many want that to be your testimony when a pastor talks about you? Do you want my testimony to be about you? I give thanks for you because I see your faith. I see see your love, and that you love people. You love God and people. Can I get an amen? I hope that is what your testimony is, not only this day, but for all the days of your life. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I can tell you, as Paul, I do not stop giving thanks for you. Look at your neighbor and let them know you're happy that you're, they're here today. Please tell them thank you for coming. Tell them something nice. Look to your other neighbor. Tell them something nice. Come on, talk to each other. Don't make this awkward. You have a nice shirt, nice glasses, nice hairdo, nice smile. If you're single, you may want to mingle. Come on. Verse 17, let's read this passage together because this is today's sermon. One, two, three. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Look at the tri-personality of God here. We have the Father, we have the Son, Jesus Christ, and we have the Spirit. And while Paul is praying this, he's saying, I am praying to the Father through Jesus by the Spirit that you may know God more. Did you catch the Trinity in there? Paul is revealing to us the triune nature of God and he's asking that we would know God better. See, I believe when you seek first the kingdom of God, all the things that you need will be added unto you. If you'll seek first knowing God, if you'll seek first knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he'll help you know your wives. Can I hear an amen, husbands? He'll help you know your children. Can I hear an amen, parents? He'll help you know how to be successful on your job. How many think God knows how to be successful? But you have to first know him. You have to put your sights on God. Look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. How many know God has great power? Okay, God is in control of this world. Don't let the scenarios and situations of this world get you to lose your hope. Have hope beyond the scope of human limitations. People will let you down. La Rasa will let you down. White people will let you down. Are you listening to me? The hood will let you down. People will let you down. Your job will let you down. Politicians will let you down. Can I hear an amen? But the Bible says through Paul, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so you can know the hope to which God has called you because he will never let you down. Things may not work out the way you want them to. He may not come when you want him to, as the old timers used to say, but he's always on time. And I'll tell you what, there will be nobody in heaven disappointed about the life God gave them. You will not be in heaven after receiving the total enlightenment of the full plan of God. There will nobody, be nobody there saying, oh, God, I'm so upset with the life you gave me. My parents were mad you know, and angry. They treated me bad. Or I grew up on this side of the tracks or this neighborhood. There will be nobody there as a Christian 
Christian shaking their fist at God. As a matter of fact, you will be saying, well done, my great father. Your plans, your ways are higher than our ways. You will worship him. You will say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that is slain. Let me just blow your mind on this for a little bit. You know, all of us right here, we see our problems, and it's almost like we look at our life as a tapestry of the issues that we face, the challenges that we've gone through. Some may have more severe or tragic pictures and, and memories of their life and their mind and heart right now experiences. But when we get to heaven, we're going to see the other side of those pictures, and they're going to make the beautiful image of Christ. So right now, you may only see the picture from one side, but on the other side is the image of Christ. And so from this perspective, all you may see is the pain and people who have let you down and all the problems that you've gone through. But when you get to heaven, you'll look at your life backwards going this way through Jesus, and you'll see that everything, not just some things, but everything worked out for the glory of God. See, when they looked at the cross, they saw a dying man, innocent. But now we look from eternity. That was the Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. When they looked at Joseph going into a pit, into the Potiphar's house, into prison, they looked at a man suffering. But from the eyes of heaven, it was a deliverance of, of Israel. When we look at our lives, we may lose hope. But if we look at Jesus, we'll have hope beyond the scope, amen, of human limitations. There's a glorious inheritance. And I promise you, nobody will be disappointed when they get that inheritance. That power is the same power that's in us, that the mighty strength, verse 20, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, that every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. How many know every knee is going to bow before Jesus? You see, the re revelation that Paul has here is that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, whether they want him to be or not. Jesus is the king of kings, whether they want him to be or not. And so Buddha's knees have already bowed before Jesus and confessed him as Lord. Muhammad's knees have already bowed. Are you listening to me? Confessed him as Lord. And then one day, all nations, tribes, people, everybody are going to bow down and confess him as Lord. And you know what we're going to say when we see the devil in comparison to Jesus? We're going to say, what, this little gnat, this little fly, this little mosquito did this? I'm going to tell you something. When you see how great your God is and how small that devil is, you're going to wish you would have pimp slapped him a little bit more on this earth. So I double dog dare you to get some faith right now and tell the devil in Jesus' name I'm coming after you. I'm taking all that you've stolen from me. I'm going to not only get it back for myself but for my community, my city, my nation in Jesus' name. You're under my feet right now because God gave me his power and authority in his name. Can I hear an amen? That's the authority and power of Matthew chapter 28. He says, it's all mine. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Let's prepare the world for his second coming. And then in verse 22 and onward, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Somebody say the church. The church is the most important organization on this planet. Governments have come and gone. The Roman Empire, it is gone now. Are you listening to me? The Persian Empire, it is gone. The Egyptian Empire, it is gone. All of these great nations that were during the time of the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, are only but a remnant of the power that they had. The Ottoman Empire is gone. All of these great nations that you even see today will not last, but the church of Jesus Christ will outlast every kingdom, will outlast every government, will outlast every fighter that you see like, like what's his name? Uh, Mayweather. He's going to outlast Mayweather. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and his kingdom and his church is an everlasting kingdom in which he promised he would build and the gates of hell shall not prevail. You want to be a part of a winning organization, join the church and build his church. Build the church of Jesus Christ and he'll build your business. Build the church of Jesus Christ and he'll build your family. If a nation turns away from God, God will not bless that nation. But God will bless whatever nation puts its hands and its resources behind the church. And that's why I'm thankful today. Even in a nation like ours who has backslidden and done many despicable things, we still have a remnant here that are honoring the church of Jesus Christ. 
And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Look at this, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you want to be filled with God in every way of your life, can I hear an amen? If you want everything that God has for you to be given to you and to be filled in every way by his presence, can I hear one more amen? Because this is important to understand Paul's prayer today. Paul's prayer is talking about us having the wisdom and the revelation to be able to know our great God and to have that hope that he gives us to believe that there's an inheritance to come, that even now there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus, to build his church and all of the things that God wants us to do and that he will come and reward us one day and there will be that everlasting kingdom that will fill everything in every way but he's wanting to know who wants it now. Who will bow their knees now? Who will make Jesus the Lord of all now? Because if he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. And who today wants to focus their gaze upon Jesus? In this sermon series, we're learning in Paul's prayer the awesome things that Paul has given us. So we've already talked in this passage about faith and love, giving thanks to the Father. You know, last week we had baptism, so we took a detour into Corinthians, but we're back at it today with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the soon coming weeks, you can see, we'll talk about being enlightened to God's hope, his glorious inheritance and his power. How many want to be enlightened to that? How many think that's better than a fortune cookie, right? You know, we look at the world, and they've taken enlightenment from us and given it to the new age. I'm going to take it right back. Silly Buddha, you don't get that. I'm sorry, yoga pants, you don't get that. Crooked chicken, you don't get that. Enlightenment belongs to our God. Jesus is the name above every name. Jesus is the head of the church. In our last message from verse 23 in this passage will be Jesus, the one who fills everything in every way. We're going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. We are putting ourselves in the place of these people in that wonderful city who gave their heart to the Lord during great turmoil and persecution, and yet they became an outstanding church. God used them in mighty ways. Timothy became the pastor of this church, and first and second Timothy are letters written to him, and then this corresponding cities, Colossians, Philippians, are there in that same area. So I want to encourage you, keep studying the book of Ephesians. Now when we look at today's message, we have to understand what wisdom and revelation is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It is good judgment. Paul is praying that you will have this first and foremost towards God. Now, everybody look up at me. I want everybody to get this. You may see a lot of wise people in this world who are spiritual fools, and that may be deceiving. I know for me, oftentimes it can be. I even get tempted to look at the wisdom of this age and ask God what's going wrong that they deny you, but yet they're so smart in these areas. Take, for example, Steve Jobs of the founder of Apple Computers, him and Steve Wozniak invented this awesome technology. They first invented the desktop, then together they reinvented the laptop and then portable devices like the iPod and the iPhone. They brought all of this wonderful technology that we can use for God's glory. And oftentimes I would look at them and I would say, you know, they don't acknowledge God. They're not giving their 10%. So how in the world can these spiritual fools be so earthly good? But the Bible talks about this, and so we ought not to be confused. The reason why people in this world can do wise things and be inventors so forth is because they're borrowing from the wisdom of God. Let me help you understand this. Their brain came from themselves or came from God? Where'd their brain come from? Their life and the oxygen that they're breathing came from themselves or it came from God? The materials that they used to invent the things that we enjoy came from themselves or came from God? The ability to have a peaceful government or to have an economy that is successful came from them or came from God? Because it could be a dog-eat-dog world, right? Dogs eating dogs. It could be the animal kingdom. But God gave us common sense and a morality. And if a nation follows that, then we can have a good economy. Have you ever seen Africa? Africa could be more plentiful than right now America. They have awesome opportunities and resources, even a place like Venezuela with all of its oil. But they have terrible living conditions because of dictators, satanic agendas, and religions. Are you listening to me? And God will tear down this nation, not from his own fiery judgment, 
judgment from the inside out if we don't submit and say, in God we trust and stop trusting in dollars. Are you listening? But all of that came from God. So now I want you to understand this. When Steve Jobs died, and I don't want to judge his soul. The Bible says not to do that. I can only judge his fruit because the man's soul belongs to himself and only God knows what he does before he reaches his point of death. So we won't decide whether or not he's in heaven or hell, but according to his beliefs, that belief system leads someone to hell. I can tell you that. But listen to me very carefully. When he left this earth and he went to judgment, was he rewarded for the Apple computer? Was he rewarded for the iPhone? Was he rewarded for the iPod? Was he rewarded for the jobs that he give, he had given to people? Or was he condemned because he did it for another master? He didn't serve God. He served money. The Bible says you can't serve both at the same time. You will love one and hate the other, hate one and love the other. Are you listening to me? According to his worldview in which he saw the world, the lenses in which he operated in, none of these things are attributed to him. He took it for himself, and God said, I will now take it back. You have no reward for these things. You are a fool. Jesus was very clear about who fools are. He said, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like a wise person building their house upon a rock. The storms come and the house stands. The fool, everybody say the fool. Somebody say like Mr. T, I pity the fool. Come on, the fool hears these words, doesn't put them into practice, builds their house on sand. The storms come and mighty is that crash. According to his worldview, not judging his soul, but according to his worldview, on judgment day, mighty was his crash. Because none of these things were handed back to God or attributed to God. I don't know about you, but I don't want a mighty crash on judgment day. I want to use all the tools that God has given me for his glory. So it works for the Christian and the non-Christian alike that we have tools to use. And the non-Christian can be successful at them. That is true. But the non-Christian ultimately is a fool because they do not use those tools for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? The next thing that we need to understand is that revelation comes from God, and that is to bring things to light and to make known the truth. So the world may share in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is given through our conscious mind, our inner person, to be able to think and have a, a well-being, a ability to do things. But the wisdom of God only can come from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So now using just Steve Jobs one more time as an example, if he was going to move from from the wisdom of the world and putting together things and tinkering with computers and begin to understand the wisdom of God, the only way that could happen would be if the light came on in his soul and he had the revelation of who God was. In other words, you don't see God naturally. You can put together a computer naturally. You, like a sinner, can build a building naturally. You'll be borrowing from the principles of God, right? They didn't create gravity. Who created gravity? Who created physics, man or God? So you get the point, right? But to know God, you must be given the revelation of God. Peekaboo, he has to show you who he is. And guess what that takes? That takes humility on your part. Because if all you see is the creation that God has given you, and then in pride you say, I don't believe in God because I don't see him, you have become another kind of fool. The kind of fool that says, I see design in a watch and I know there's a watchmaker. I see design in myself and my brain much more complex than a watch, but I say, I myself am the maker or evolution. You see, that's a fool. That's not even using the common sense God gave you. We need to understand that if we look at ourselves or even those in the jungle, Eternity in Their Heart is a great book by Cyril Richards talking about missionaries going to places where the gospel was never preached, but they looked at the design of their body, the design of the jungle, the beauty of the skies and the stars that they would plan their seasons by, and they began to realize, I didn't do that, my ancestors didn't do that, and praying to this tree is pretty dumb. They began to believe in a God that was a spirit, some of these tribes 
tribes and some of these nations, they began to believe that the Son of God would be given to them in a revelation and that they would know the Son of God by people bringing them this information. And oftentimes, Cyril Richard talks about when these missionaries would come, the people would bring out their ancient prophecies or the wisdom of the ancient people. And if you remember in Acts chapter 17, there was an altar to an unknown God. And the unknown God came from a wise man when the people were dying of a disease. They kept sacrificing to their gods. Nothing happened. He said, listen, these gods aren't working. Whatever has created us must be a God not like them. He'll have mercy on us because we see mercy in our own family, in our own relationship. So if we sacrifice to him in ignorance saying we don't know who you are, but we know that you're not any of these gods, maybe he'll have mercy. And Paul comes to that very place and says, the unknown God you've sacrificed to, I know who he is. He's God the Father through his son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. When that man sacrificed to the unknown God, the people were healed of their diseases. And we see this in ancient cultures. But the gospel still must come because without without the word of God, faith is not coming. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So the revelation of who Jesus is comes by the word of God. Now watch me. Let me tie this together. Look at your neighbor. Say just the introduction. I'm going as fast as I can. That's why I couldn't tell you cute little stories about my family this week. I got to preach, amen. Here's the deal. Wisdom is shared by all of humanity, but only the wisdom of God is given by revelation. God is speaking through his creation, the revelation, but if fullness is found in his son, Jesus Christ, and by the gospel preaching found in the word of God. Paul is praying in this place, I, in this passage, I want you to have wisdom. I want you to have the application of knowledge and judgment through God, and I want it to be revealed to you so that you don't stumble in this world, not knowing the things that are coming your way, but that your eyes might be open. You would know the difference between good and evil. You would be able to be successful in that which you put your hands to do because the gospel has revealed and made it known to you. Everybody say revelation. The first thing the Bible will reveal to you, the gospel preaching will reveal to you, you are a sinner. You're under the wrath of a holy God. Then the revelation will come that that holy God sent his son to die on the cross for you. And if you ask him into your heart, you can be born again. All of this comes by revelation. And then the wisdom of your life. Uh, the wisdom of God will apply to your life. How many know that Christians make the best parents? Because God's revealed to them how to be the best parents. How many believe Christians make the best business people? Would you rather work for a Steve Jobs or for a Juan Riasco? Come on, somebody. God's blessing Nini's Deli, putting them all over the news, all over the nation. I would rather work for a Christian any day. How many of you would rather have a real Christian governor than any one of these sinners? Come on. Or any one of these people. I want the people of God in every position because they have the revelation of the truth. They have the revelation of what it means to be successful in life. And that doesn't just mean the, the Christians always have to have the most money, though I think we should at some point. But the idea is we do the best with what we have. We are always the best at what we have. Why? Because we have a Holy Ghost advantage. We're not just trying to figure it out with our cantaloupe-sized thinker up here. We got the Holy Spirit, the God of all knowledge, on the inside of us. I wish there were some of you that wanted wisdom and revelation through God. I just wish there were some of you that wanted to get off the teat of this world and start going to heaven to get your heavenly manna. So many of you are looking to the things of this world to satisfy you. And you're in the system of the world. And you're not understanding why it doesn't work. The system of the world is fading away, the Bible says. It is a temporary system. That's why if we don't have wisdom and revelation to bring together different cultures, all that we do in the name of race only brings more racism. Did you know that? Because unless it's revealed to you, there's only one human race. So everybody talking about racist is already wrong. Gets quiet when I preach like that. You see, if everybody keeps saying, I'm a race, you're a race, you're a race, and then you're a race, we've already bought into a devil's lie. Somebody say revelation. Somebody say wisdom. Start the conversation from the book of Genesis. How many human races did he create? Did he create a black race? Did he create a white race? Did he create a Spanish or Latino race? One race. Don't talk to me about racism. It doesn't exist according to the Bible. There's only one human race. Now you may say, what about hatred of different people of different cultures? That's ethnocentrism, and the Bible's hated it from day one. 
You're a different culture than me. You look different than me. I treat you differently than I would want to be treated. Heaven will not be my home. Hell, it will be my eternal abode. Are you listening? But call it for what it is. It's called hatred. It's called ethnocentrism to think your ethnic group is better than another. And that's all throughout the Bible. The Egyptians thinking they were children of the gods, so they put down everybody else. The Mayans thinking they were children of the gods, thought they were better than everybody else. Study what they did in the Mayan Empire, the Aztec Empire. These people weren't your friends. They would come and rape and pillage the villagers. Look at what the people of the Chinese dynasties would do. Still today there is Chinese slavery. Still today. Today there is slavery in India. This has been a cause of problems all across the world. And unless we get the wisdom and the revelation, there is one race, the human race, and Jesus Christ died for all mankind. And we are to treat each other as we want to be treated. There will be no peace. Are you listening? There will be no peace unless we get the revelation. What else do you want me to drop on you in this introduction to wake you up a little bit? Everything you deal with in this world will come down to wisdom and revelation. How you drove your car today had to do with how you think of wisdom and the mechanics of a car and revealing to you the purpose of transportation. If you're not doing it father-filtered, you will have a great crash. Everything. From the way we build buildings to the way we do the arts. From the way we do our families to the way we bring our culture together. From the way that we raise up our children in our schools to the way we spend money and make treaties with other nations. We need God's wisdom and revelation. Can I hear an amen? But now I want to take it one step deeper. That was kind of the shallow water. And this is where I'm going to ask Rachel to come to the keys and set the atmosphere. Because what Paul said we need to do is learn how to be treasure chest seekers for the deep things of God. Some of you need to start becoming the Jacques Cousteau's of the Spirit. You need to go deep into the things of God. The first thing that you understand when God gives you his revelation are the beginning stages of your Christian walk. Those are the shallow waters, but they get so much deeper, my friends. The day I gave my heart to Jesus, I understood just a little bit, just enough, a mustard seed to know I was a sinner. He died for me. He forgave me. But I want to tell you, 20 years later, I see the cross in a much more deeper way than I have ever seen it. The cross to me is one of the meditations of my heart that pull me through some of the darkest, deepest valleys of my life. And I want to talk to you about that today as we get ready to enter into his presence for these next 15 minutes. This generation is more prozac up than it ever has been before. This generation is dealing with more pain internally than it ever has before, and we just cannot figure it out. We can't figure out why our superstars commit suicide, why sixth graders commit suicide. We're, we're trying everything we can. We're medicating them up. Even some of the people writing the books on these things themselves are medicated up. The number one author on anxiety had to rewrite his book because after he wrote it the first time, it didn't work for himself. My friends, we're tore up from the floor up. We need to check up from the neck up. We are busted and disgusted, and we don't understand why. And here's the real reason why. We have no wisdom and revelation of why we're even alive. You don't even understand, first, the purpose for why you're here. You can't, you can't figure it out in school. You're not being told it on your job. You're just another spoke in the wheel, another clog in the gear, or another gear in the, the system. And so what happens is, is you're getting your mind off of what you're really here for. That's why all of the universities that were established in this land, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, all said for the glory of God, for the truth that God gives. People were coming to these places because they were in awe of God. They were doing art because they were in awe of God. I'm not talking about setting up a rock somewhere in L.A. calling it art, which they just did in a park. I'm not talking about putting feces in a bag, calling it art. I'm talking the greatest art that this world has ever known. The Renaissance came from the Christian worldview. The scientific revolution came from Christians. Study Copernicus. Copernicus. Study Bacon. Francis Bacon gave us the inductive method, the scientific method. This is not make-believe. 
Let me say a word that I hate. The reason why we suck at life right now is because we suck at being Christians. You think knowing God is thinking about some nebulous, some blob in the sky, and then I'm going to think about God for 30 seconds and then go do real stuff in life. You have no idea the greatest minds Sir Isaac Newton wrote twice as much about God than he did about physics. And there would be no atheistic Dawkins without a Newton today. They would still be playing with sticks. They have now taken the knowledge of Christians, sat on the lap of God, and are slapping him in rebellion. Take it back. Take back every industry that God gave us. Take back every place of influence in Jesus' name. Not by force, but because you come there with the best ideas. Daniel, even in Babylon, was exalted above all the other governors because he was the wisest among them. Because he sought God three times a day. They would not bow their knees. They were men and women who understood their purpose. Look at yourself. I got an app for my kids. Look at yourself under a microscope or an x-ray. Who is man that God is mindful of us? The son of man that he cares about us. We're just veins and a brain and bone and tissue. Why does he care about us so? It's because we were made in his image. And you will never know who you are until you know who he is. And when Paul said, I pray that you will have wisdom and you will have revelation of who he is. He is not saying play make-believe. He is saying how you see yourself as a mother, how you see yourself as a father, how you see yourself as an inventor depends on how you see God. When you close your eyes, what do you see in your heart? That's why we're in despair. Because when we close our eyes, all we see is winning the lottery, another bathing suit to wear at the beach, another Bugatti to drive, another hand clap from the corporation. When we close our eyes, our eyes are darkened. And we don't see the light of his countenance. Within a few weeks of being saved, I was sleeping and I was awoken by the glory of God, but I could not move. My eyes could not open, but I was up. It was a vision of the glory of God. Light was all around me, brighter than the sun, and it was as if the light was tangible. And my whole entire being was quaking with the thunderous presence of God. I got scared and I woke up and I've never seen it since. The glory of God. The glory of God. Oh, that you would know the Trinity. That you would know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you would take time out of your day to say, Father, show me your ways as creator. Show me your ways so that I may know you more. Show me your heart, O Son of God. Reveal yourself to me. Give me your mind inside my thoughts today. Let me think as you think today. O Holy Spirit, may I be filled with your power today. As surely as Jesus was rose from the dead by the Spirit of God, the Bible says he is in us today giving us power and strength. Listen to me, my friends, when I tell you that we suck at Christianity, I am not doing this to say that you must try harder, you must do better to be better. I am saying get lost in the presence of God. Let the mighty river of the Lord sweep you down into the streams of God's blessing. I am saying let go and let God blow your mind. I am saying that faith is what pleases God and God wants wonder in our hearts again childlike wonder to read the book of Ezekiel and see the wheel within the wheel and say oh God you placed eternity in my heart
Show me what I was made for. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The gospel is the greatest message of heaven. It's the greatest message to lead government by. It's the greatest message to lead your family by. It's the greatest message to lead businesses by. Some of the older folks may remember the Christian Business Association. Businessmen in New York City in the early 1900s shut down Manhattan with prayer meetings. And God blessed them more than money ever could because they made it about the gospel. The gospel. To set your heart on what it means that Christ died for me and I died with him. That I was buried when he was buried and my old wretched man was cast into that grave and I was raised like Christ. You go to your counselor next week and you tell them that and I'll guarantee you they say I'll need that. They'll say now let me lay down on this couch. Tell me that again. Are you listening to me? I double-dog dare some of you to get this revelation, Colossians 1.24. Let me give it to you quickly. Oh, Lord, help me get there. I got to get there, friends, because God is calling me like deep calls unto deep as the ocean tide calls back that water to the deep water. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of me calling me to the deeper things of God. I want to live in that place. Oh, God, may we all be there. May the people who think I'm crazy now see the reality of this. I don't have time to read the whole passage, but listen to what it says. Paul is speaking here again to that sister city, Colosseum. And he says in verse 27, to them God has chosen. Somebody say he's chosen me to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. This is the mystery we're talking about, that God is coming to Jew and Gentile through the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When was the last time, businessman, you started your day and said, oh, give me the revelation that you're in me today, Christ. Show me how you and I are interwoven together. Oh, God, interpenetrate my thoughts with yours, and may my thoughts touch your heart today. The next thing that we see is that there's a kingdom coming. Why do people have so much despair? Why do people get so discouraged? I mean, I could tell you for myself, from all the counseling that I've done, as I was saying before in our introduction, we really don't believe in a kingdom to come. Like we just, we say it, those of us who are here, most of the time we just say it, but we really don't apply our heart to it. Like you're really not thinking about it. And this was all that Jesus talked about. This was all he talked about was the kingdom of God. You gotta be born again to get in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. It's like a manager going away on a journey. Nobody knows when he's coming back, but he's going to reward his stewards. Those who are faithful with little will be given much. The kingdom of God is like a lost coin, and you search for it, and you search for it until you get it. The kingdom of God is like a shepherd who separates sheep from goats, and the sheep do these things unto the shepherd's glory. You lose sight of the kingdom, and you put these kingdoms of this world in your heart. My friends, these idols and these kings will not care for you. Why do we have so many problems in this world? It's because we're worshiping wrong kings, idols, and we're searching after a kingdom that doesn't exist. It's make-believe. But there is a real kingdom among us right now, and the Bible says it is like a mustard seed. It is small but it is growing stronger every day. The Bible says this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you're in the Western world and you're so smart and you've taken comparative religion classes and it just doesn't seem like Christianity is that much different than all these other things. But I want to tell you today, there is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, which the world doesn't have. There is the power of the Holy Spirit, deliverance of demons, healing of the sick, which the world doesn't have. And there 
his purpose to change the world through the spoken gospel which the world does not have. Why do you think it's Christians everywhere going to the Buddhist nations, establishing orphanages, establishing compassion ministries? Why do you think it's even downtown, not the atheist soup kitchen, but it's the Baptist Christian soup kitchens? Because Christians know there is a kingdom coming, and we want to bring it here now on this earth. We want to show the love of our Father until he judges this place. And so when was the last time... And I think of my friend David Montes right now, Master Sergeant in Afghanistan. Let's keep him in our prayers with our boys out there and the men and women. He was sending me a video, and he was saying, Pastor, out here, I just pray more. He's away from his family. He has three children. And he says, I'm praying for God's glory to come to these people. Because if it doesn't come, we're going to be back out here again with a lot more fighting, killing. You see, it's obvious for him, I guess, right? Because he has a a war to fight for us out there and he needs the kingdom to come to these guys or they're going to start dying but what about your world the kingdom doesn't come to your business kingdom of God is going to destroy this business before they destroy themselves you know God's going to come before we nuke this whole world up and the kingdom of God is trying to come through you to spare these people of disaster and problems but you have to see that there's a king on the inside of you wanting to rule and reign. Can I hear an amen? Here's three ways that we can experience the kingdom. Number one, we're going to start praying and singing in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14 through 15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Let's just close our eyes to not be distracted. It's not a command. You can keep your eyes open if you want, but I do it to not be distracted. Right now, just start to pray with your own understanding that you would grasp one of the things I just talked about. The Trinity, the gospel, the kingdom coming, Christ in you. Right now, use your words. Use your words. Lord, I want to see you in my family. I want to know the Father's heart so I can be a good father. I want to see you today, God. I want to understand the gospel as it relates to my job and career. Come on, pray it in your words right now. Now we're going to make some of you feel uncomfortable, but we're going to go into the deep waters now. This is where you don't care what your friends think. You don't care what your neighbor thinks. Even if you brought a visitor, visitor, we love you, but we love God's presence to the point where we would rather be embarrassed in front of you than to not have his presence. So now what I'm going to ask you to do in your own words, I want you to make a song. And I want you just to come up with a little melody of your heart like as if you were a child. Rachel, you can help them. But everybody's going to come up with a little melody. We're doing this in a fast ma manner right now. But I'm going to walk you through my prayer closet and how I go deep. So right now as you're praying, just get a little song in your heart. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to see your power in my life. Make me a father like you. All the benefits of singing, all the benefits of praying, I don't have time to go through, but trust the Bible on this. You want to open your mouth and make a melody right now. Trust me, you want to do this focusing on the things of heaven. You want to do this. Your body is screaming out for it. You will release yourself of stress. You will release yourself of a broken record of worry if you will sing to yourself. The same thing that works for children works for adults. I'm here to remind you, you were made to sing over yourself. You were made to pray to God and sing songs. Even if nobody's listening, he's with you. Now let's go to the next one. Now let's begin to pray in the Spirit. Praying not what our understanding is, but praying what the Holy Spirit gives us. I consider this the Wi-Fi of heaven. I'm not weird, I'm wired. I'm wired into heaven right now. And back in the days when they used to dial it up, you could hear that connection sound. I believed in a modern example, this is speaking in tongues. So I want to challenge you, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, to place your hand over your belly right now and say, Jesus, fill me to overflowing and baptize me with the Holy Spirit and fire right now. 
Think it not strange to other sounds that your mind does not understand. The Bible says it's so. All of the disciples did it. Peter did it. On the day of Pentecost, Paul did it. Jesus. Jesus. You say, those of you with Bible knowledge, what if there's not an interpretation? Your prayer is not for me. It is for God. Just like how you prayed privately to yourself, you are praying in tongues to yourself. Jesus. Twice I've done this, and people from other countries have understood what I have said. God gave messages through my tongues before. This is not a game to me. Think me weird, but I'm telling you I'm wired into heaven. Talk to anybody that's been in front-line battle with the enemy. This is where we get our power from. Now just begin to sing in the Spirit. Come on, leave the shore. Come on, leave the shallow waters. Let out some groans in your heart. Let out the cries of your spirit. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Set your heart on Jesus as you pray in tongues. Come on. You may not understand what you're saying, but set your heart on the gospel. Set your heart on the things that the Bible says you should know today. Go deeper with the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every spirit that is not of God, cast it down in Jesus' name. Cast it down in Jesus' name. Every spirit of depression, I come against you now. Altar workers, come up quickly. Just as you are seated, I'm going to ask some altar workers to come up because I believe somebody needs to get set free that's not afraid to get prayed for right now. So as altar workers start to come, rest of you keep praying privately. I want to call up anybody here that's been struggling with depression, a spirit of despair, to come up right now. Don't you care what anybody thinks. They shouldn't be looking at you anyways. I'm making this time for you right now. So if I'm not embarrassed, don't you be embarrassed. Right now, somebody needs to get the spirit of despair knocked off of you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody's been having suicidal thoughts or just an ongoing depression or an ongoing funk, a doom and a gloom. Get out of your seat right now. Let somebody politely know you've got to walk across this aisle. The rest of you, come on, keep praying in the tongues of the angels or pray with your understanding. There is power in this place right now. There is power in this place right now. Do not be ashamed to get prayed for. Do not be ashamed to get prayed for. Do not be ashamed. We're not judging you today. We're praying for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Freedom. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Freedom. Freedom. God knows. God knows. You may be asking right now, who knows your pain? Who knows what you've been through? God knows, and he says he loves you. There is no shadow of death that can keep him from his love right now, from, your, from the love God has for you. In the name of Jesus. Now the rest of you, let them keep praying. Let them keep praying. This is a moment. This is a special moment. But the rest of you, open up your Bibles in the back. Put it on the screen, Psalm 27, verse 4. The next way we're going to encounter God is through studying his word. Come on, those of you up here, keep praying, keep praying. Let us not distract you. The Holy Spirit brought you up here for a reason. If there needs to be more, more will come. We're going to multitask in the Holy Ghost right now. Look at this scripture, those who can. One thing I have asked from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Scroll it up, good sir. Thank you. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me. He will keep me in the day of trouble, in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. 
I want the rest of us, please, to stand right now. And on the count of three, we're going to give God a shout of praise. One, two, three. Come on, shout to God. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to shout again. One, two, three. Shout to God. Glory. Jesus, band, would you come, please? Come on. Keep praying, those who need to pray. God is in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Every lie of the devil is broken in Jesus' name. There is freedom in this place. If you need prayer for anything before we dismiss, come on up. Whatever you need prayer for, sickness in your body, you're hungry to know more about God, come on up, let us pray. We will dismiss in just a moment. But I want to invite those who want prayer for anything, come even right now. The Holy Spirit is here in an amazing way. Just come if you want to be prayed for, for healing. Come if you want more of the Lord. Come if you haven't spoken in other tongues, need the baptism of fire. In Jesus' name, I get so excited. Come on. Those who are praying, keep praying. Those standing up right now, use your imagination right now. Come on. Dream a dream, a vision. You may say, Pastor, well, doesn't God have to initiate those things? Yes, he can. He can initiate dreams and visions. But he also said we could initiate them with the desires of our heart. Dream a dream right now or a vision to see God moving in your sphere of influence, on your job, in your family. Use your imagination right now and say, let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done. Let your rivers flow. This is how we pray. This is how we seek God. We are seeking God. We're not praying without expectation. We're praying expecting God to move. God is a rewarder of faith. Faith is not make-believe, but faith is trusting in God. I believe God is putting things in your heart today He wants you to have faith for. And though your eyes cannot see them in the natural, He is going to reveal them to you right now. He is going to reveal to you things in your life right now. Jesus, Jesus right now, reveal to us the desires you have for our family, our community. If anybody just saw a fire dancing over your house, I want you to come up here because I just saw flames over somebody's house, flames of fire. They said on, on, on Azusa Street, there were flames of fire that began to appear over the place that they were meeting. If anybody just saw flames of fire dancing over their house, I want you to come up here and let me know. I would rather be wrong about taking a chance on seeing a vision than to not to say anything, but I saw flames dancing over a house. Keep praying. Come on. Initiate the Holy Spirit to give you something by the desire of your heart. We're not going into some sweat chamber having some false hallucination, but I'm telling you, if you desire God to speak, He will speak. Few more moments. Few more moments. What are you seeing in your spirit as you desire the things of God? What are you seeing today? I'm seeing flames of fire. One of two things. Either I made it up or God showed it to me. I, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to go for this. If I made it up, God will correct me as I go. But I'm willing to let things be revealed to me. Come on, anybody else, let God reveal some things to you. Worship leaders, those of you who have mics, if God reveals anything to you, speak it out. We're going to wait a few more moments before we dismiss. Those who are receiving prayer, keep praying. Flames of fire, God. Speak to your people. Speak to your people. More of you, God. We'd rather step out on the water.